Somebody's 97 years old now. Happy birthday to Wilma Keller. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Good to see the rest of you that are a little younger. Um, and glad that you're able to be here today. Uh, it's a little cool in here. I guess the uh, heat's being pushed by the extra, extra cold weather outside. If you need to put your feet up in your neighbor's lap, go ahead and do that. I'm all for getting comfortable, uh, but it is good to see you here today. A couple of announcements to read to you. Um, the Sunday night Bible studies are back beginning tonight at a new time. They run from 5.30 until 7.00. Uh, a little bit more kid-friendly time, uh, we thought, to help parents who uh, can be here during those times. Children will be in their choir for 45 minutes and then another 45 minutes in an educational craft time. Uh, but during that same time, there are two adult Bible studies. Both of them include men and women. Uh, one is up in the uh, Disciple, one is Disciple One. It's up on the second floor of the Family Life Center. And the other one is in the social hall called Jesus, the one and only. Um, but this is for all ages and men and women in either of those uh, Bible studies. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to be trying for a few months a first Wednesday um, catered meal for the church congregation. The idea is to get us together for fellowship. The first Wednesday of each month, the menus will be in the bulletin or on the website also. The first one is this coming Wednesday night, January the 6th, from 5.30 until 6.30. Uh, if you look at the um, register of attendance pads coming your way, there should be a, a place to check uh, whether or not you can attend uh, that <coughs> supper on Wednesday night, and that way we'll get an estimate of how much food to prepare for. So when that comes today, not only sign your name, but, but see if they can, uh, you can uh, find that checkmark spot. Also, uh, from the Cross Training Sunday School class, we are invited to join them for a night of fun, food, and fellowship at the third annual Cheerful Hearts Midwinter Dinner on Sunday, February 14th at 6 p.m. in the Family Life Center. Tickets are $10 per person and will be on sale toward the end of this month. If you have an item to contribute for the silent auction or the live auction, please see any member of the class and stay tuned for more details. Also, you will be hearing a lot more in future weeks about um, a special event coming this way. Um, Jason Crabb concert will be here on April the 24th. Um, Jason Crabb has performed at, at Carnegie Hall uh, he's become a fan favorite of the Grand Ole Opry, appeared regularly on the Gaither Homecoming series videos, and was honored to sing for the Reverend Billy Graham's farewell crusade in New York City. His voice is echoed in churches great and small, at home in the United States and around the world, and he will be here in live con concert on April 24th at 7 p.m. in our Family Life Center. This concert will be for the benefit of Greer's Relay for Life. Uh, tickets are on sale now at our website, which is greerchurch.com, and there will be more information to, to follow about this as well. This morning during the uh, second hymn, uh, Beverly Davis will be 
playing Pied Piper and leading children who wish to go up to the library to get a library book. And we're also reminded everyone of the meeting of the, the call meeting of the administrative board. Uh, you've been notified about this in previous weeks. It will be right out here in the um, um, Wesley Davenport classroom uh, right as quickly as the preacher will hush. Uh, that's where we will we'll be um, joining there. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed on page 881 in your hymnal. Let us affirm our faith in God using this historic confession. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. This time I'd like to invite the children to come forward to join uh, Mar uh, yes, Marnie Dumas for a few moments of sharing. it's the second Sunday after Christmas can you believe you can okay well um, <laughs> me too all right well a week ago what were we doing what did y'all do on Christmas yeah yeah what else open presents right what else did you do did you eat anything you didn't eat anything? Okay. Well, I ate a bunch. I ate turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and green beans and macaroni and cheese, a ton of stuff. And we had about five different dinners at different families' houses. We had to go to the grandparents' house and my mom's house and my, my dad's house and my husband's parents' house. We had to go all over the place. Well, what did you do this week? Since we had all that last week, what did you do this week? Play. You played? Did anybody put up Christmas decorations this week? Or maybe your mom or dad put up Christmas decorations? Did they put them up at your house? Are they all, they're all put up maybe in the attic or upstairs? Yeah, we put ours up this week too. So you had to kind of clean up. So Christmas is kind of over for some people, but for us, guess what? Christmas is all year long. And let me tell you why, okay? I'm going to go into the Bible and I'm going to go to the sort of towards the back in the book of John, okay? And it's John 1, and we're in we're verse 14. You ready? The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, let's back up to the first part. It says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. There's a lot of big words in there, isn't there? What do you think that means? Who do you think the Word is? Jesus. Yeah, so Jesus was born and became flesh. He was a baby, right? We celebrated His birth last week, and He was a baby. 
So that's the true meaning of Christmas. Now we have a good time and we have presents and we celebrate that and we, we eat together, right? And we get to hang out with cousins sometimes and friends and family. So that's the good part of Christmas. But the true meaning of Christmas is that the Word became flesh and came to live among us. So you got presents for Christmas. Fun stuff. I got a wee for Christmas, just so y'all know. And it's been a lot of fun this week. We've had a good time with it. But another gift that we all get is Jesus, right? Like you told me a minute ago. We got Jesus as our gift, and that is a gift from God, and everybody gets that. So he came to the world through the Father for us to receive. So we got a gift, and we get that gift all year long. So we can celebrate Christmas all year long. What y'all think? You think that's a good idea? I do too. All right. You guys will pray with me. I have some um, sheets that you can take and color, and it has our verse down at the bottom. Okay? So you can work on, on reading through that. So if you'll pray with me real quick, and you can just listen, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for the gift of your Son, for it is through that gift that we also become your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our Old Testament lesson, uh, Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is, is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. All your sons from far away, your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 72 on page 795 of your hymnal. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this passage responsibly. Give the king your justice, O God. And your righteousness to the righteous son. May he judge your people with righteousness. And your rule with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mountain grass, like showers that water the earth. In 
his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May his foes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy. He saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of rain in the land, may it be on the tops of the mountains, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may they blossom forth in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people bless themselves by him. All lesson is from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. In reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Here ends the lesson.
join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we never get tired of hearing the story of the wise men coming to find Jesus and to worship him and how they had to go back in a different way so as not to let Herod know where to find the Christ child. We marvel at the intricacies of your plans to bring Christ into the world and the wonderful way that you led people to come to know Jesus and to have faith in him. And so we're thankful for the many others who've lived in the intervening years between that time and ours, those who have also been on their journey of faith, following various stars in the sky and in scripture to come to their own understanding of your place in their lives through Jesus Christ. And we're grateful for the time that we live in and the fact that we too have in a wonderful way experienced the grace of God in our lives and the presence of Christ and the reality of his love in our daily lives. In our own way, Lord, we have come before the Christ child and presented our gifts, though it's not gold and frankincense and myrrh. We have placed before the Lord our hearts, the treasure that he most came to seek after. And for this we give you thanks, and we pray your blessings upon us as we would be those who continue to follow the light of your, your life in our lives and that we continue to offer hope and point to the Savior to all that we meet day in and day out. We're grateful, Lord, that you have placed within us a hunger to know, a desire to understand what God is like. And we are grateful, Lord, that we find our thirst and our hunger to know satisfied in the life of Jesus Christ. We pray for our friends in their times of need. We remember those who are struggling this day with various health issues, recovering from illnesses and accidents. We pray for these, our friends. We uphold them in our prayers. We lift them into your presence for your healing touch this day. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving. <laughs>
my traditional Christmas cold decided to come after Christmas this year, which I appreciated. Some have suggested that perhaps it came because it's not healthy to come to church wearing only a bed sheet. That was a bit drafty, my costume was. But anyway, I apologize in advance for some uh, <coughs> less than adequate sounds from up here today. Here now the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 2, familiar passage, verses uh, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here ends the lesson. As long as there is a Clemson and Carolina rivalry, there are going to be Clemson and Carolina jokes. For instance, I have been told that there's no ice now over in the cafeteria at Clemson because the one student who knew the formula graduated. Yeah, that was tough there. And when our son John decided to go to USC, a die-hard Clemson fan said to him, well, John, I'm sorry to hear that. I was hoping that you had decided to get an education. <laughs> Someone told me that a student transferred from Carolina to Clemson and the average SAT scores at both schools went up. That's a little deeper, you have to think about that. <laughs> and I guess you have heard that they have a planetarium down at USC. The man in charge of that is a brilliant scientist Recently, he stayed up all night wondering where the sun had gone, and then it dawned on him. Y'all, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, the season of, of Epiphany in the church is a time when we celebrate the times when it began to dawn on people just who Jesus was, that he was God's son. It dawned on the wise men that a new king had been born in Israel, and it dawned upon Anna and Simeon in the temple. And when Simeon saw Jesus, he said, Lord, let me die in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. 
My own eyes have seen the salvation which you've prepared in the presence of my people. And when Jesus became an adult and began calling followers, they may have come out of curiosity at first, but they stayed with Jesus because it dawned upon them that this Jesus of Nazareth was very different from every other person they had ever known. Ultimately, it dawned on them that Jesus was the Son of God and their Savior and Lord. Even the people's favorite preacher, John the Baptizer, had his own epiphany and said, Behold, there is the Lamb of God. A subject of much study and debate is exactly when it dawned upon Jesus himself that he was God's son with a mission on earth to be our savior. You'll find many articles about this online and in various books called The Messianic Consciousness of Jesus. Think about this for a minute. When Jesus was born, he was like every other newborn infant that you've held and seen. His knowledge was as limited as every other human being at birth, uh, every infant you've ever seen. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus poured himself out, emptied himself when he came to earth, taking upon himself the form of a servant. And therefore, Jesus really did have to grow up. He really did have to learn how to walk and to talk and to read and obey his parents. And at the same time, he was always the divine son of God on the earth. You let that roll around in your mind a little bit and you'll lose sleep trying to figure that one out. It's a great mystery. But just when did it dawn upon Jesus that he was God's Messiah? Even Jesus had to have an epiphany. After the first Easter, the disciples went into all the world to tell the story of Jesus. As people heard the word about Jesus, each one of them had their own little epiphany. It dawned on them how badly they needed a Savior, and it dawned on them that Jesus was that one. Every time in history when someone comes to embrace Christ as Savior, it is as if, as if the story of Jesus has suddenly come alive and real to them and has dawned upon their lives. How else would we express what we often call something as dramatic as being born again if it isn't a dawning, an epiphany, an awareness that Jesus is our personal Savior? Our founder, John Wesley, is a very good example of how a person can awaken to something that's been right before his eyes most of his life. As you know, Wesley grew up in a Christian home with a preacher daddy and a devoted Christian mother. He himself prepared for the ordained ministry, becoming an Anglican priest and missionary. And yet Wesley was plagued with doubts about himself and about God. He realized that he really didn't have that kind of heartfelt faith that you just can't have without knowing that you've got it. That's how he expressed it. He wanted it, the kind that you have that you can't have without knowing you got it. His problem was that he thought he had to be worthy of that salvation. Then one day he heard a 200-year-old sermon 
which had been written by Martin Luther as the preface to the book of Romans. It dawned upon Wesley that God could give him salvation as a gift, not as a reward. And he said that his heart became strangely warm. The truth of the gospel that Wesley had long known and preached and really even believed his whole life finally dawned upon him with all its rich meaning and fullness. And as a result, he led many others into the warmed heart relationship with God, including us Methodists in the modern times. I well remember times in my life when spiritual truths dawned upon me. I remember this time very vividly. I was an elementary school-aged child when this happened. And I was going through my nighttime ritual saying my prayers that my parents had taught me about doing. I was bad about going ahead and lying down in the bed to say my prayers. So that meant I would drift in and out of sleep while I was remembering my prayers. But somewhere along the prayer line between praying for my best friend and for the bicycle that I wanted, it dawned on me that there actually really was someone up there hearing every word that I was praying. It dawned on me that this was far more than just making a laundry list of things that were important to me. There really was a divine being in heaven and also all around me there in my bedroom who heard everything I said and knew every thought that I had. It scared me to pieces. I went under the covers like I had seen a ghost in the room and didn't come out for the rest of the night. I was like the little boy who prayed, God, if you really are here like my mama says, don't you dare move, you'll scare me to death. I tell you the truth, after that night, prayer was never the same for me. I have often and always had the awareness after that night that somebody up there was listening. Then there was the time as an 18-year-old freshman in college when after a time of serious questioning and doubting, it dawned on me just what God had done for me in Christ. And soon after this, it dawned upon me and many others around me that I was being called to give myself in full-time service to the church. There wasn't a blinding light in the sky or bells or whistles. I just woke up one day and I knew it. I knew that God was real and that Christ really died for me and had been raised from the dead for me. And I woke up knowing that I had to get busy telling the story. That brings me to this question. I want to ask you wise men and wise women who've come from the far east and the far west of Greer lately here today, has the truth of the good news dawned upon you? Have you had your personal epiphany? As I think about all the people throughout history who had the truth dawn upon them, it occurs to me that they all had several things in common, whether they were the wise men or John Wesley. It seems that one thing that is absolutely necessary for someone to experience an epiphany of who Christ is is to be in the presence of Jesus or with some of his friends. The Magi, Simeon and Anna, 
John the baptizer and the disciples were all with Jesus when it dawned upon them who Jesus was. Martin Luther was a part of the church studying Holy Scripture when he had his awakening. John Wesley was involved in the church attending a Moravian prayer meeting at Aldersgate Street in the presence of people who had a deep and abiding faith in Christ, hearing a sermon about Jesus when his heart was strangely warmed. And I was taken to church as a baby, a child, and a teenager, where I experienced my epiphany along with other children and youth and adults in my church. Now, I would never say that it's impossible to come to faith in Christ while you're lying on a beach or playing golf. But I do want you to know you're more likely to catch a fish at the river than you are in the desert. And you're more likely to catch faith if you hang out with those who already have faith. And there are plenty of very strong believers in every church in our community. Do you want the truth of the gospel to dawn upon you? Then make friends with someone who's already had a personal epiphany, who now believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Then there perhaps was one other element essential to coming to faith in Christ, and that is perseverance. You need to be willing to persevere, to stick with your search for the truth. The wise men traveled long and hard, perhaps up to two years, in search of the Christ child. I'm sure that they often felt like giving up. Martin Luther's faith came after much searching and study and opposition from others. John Wesley went off to college, came as a missionary to Savannah, and then went back to England while searching for faith. He was tempted to give up many times, but he also was encouraged to keep looking for faith by people like Peter Berler. That's an O with an umlaut over it for you German speakers. Wesley wrote, I asked Berler whether he thought I should leave preaching or not. And he answered, by no means. But I asked, what then can I preach? And he said, preach faith until you have it, and then because you have it, you will preach faith. Wesley persevered until his heart was strangely warmed. I believe that if you will place yourself in those places where faith may be found, and if you keep persevering in your search, you will have an epiphany. It will dawn upon you too. There is an epiphany out there with your name on it because God wants you to know of his love for you. So this epiphany season, we celebrate that Jesus came to earth as a baby who had to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. He had to come to the place where he knew who he was and what he must do. And we celebrate that we, like the wise men and the disciples and millions of others, can also awaken to the fact that Jesus is God's Messiah and our Lord. Amen.